Hello everyone, my name is August Tuckabee, and this is the Radio Worldview Podcast. The Radio Worldview Podcast exists to facilitate discussion on how to apply a biblical worldview to every aspect of culture. If you have any questions you would like us to answer or topics you would like us to address, you can email me at august at worldview.org. That's august, just like the month, at worldview.org. Put podcast in the subject line, and we'll get to everything we can that is sent in to us. Today I'll be having a discussion with Jeff Baldwin on the sacred-secular dichotomy. The sacred-secular dichotomy is a key concept of Worldview's curriculum, and we discuss its importance, examples in students' lives, and where we are seeing it in the broader culture today. Hope you enjoy the show. Well, welcome on the show, Jeff, and uh, welcome to Radio Worldview, I guess. I guess this is a throwback a little bit. This is It's fun to have you here because we've had Bill on here the last little while and uh, he was referencing that's crazy talk so yeah he always preferred the name that's crazy talk to radio worldview I'm glad you're starting it back up again and happy to be here and hope this turns into something that a lot of folks get to hear yeah yeah me too I think it's been good we've been able to get through some things to get it onto um, Spotify now and so it's really pretty accessible there but what we wanted to go through today was some of the uh, or core concepts, key concepts. I always get them mixed and up. And we call them key core concepts, too, so okay. you can do whatever you want. Key core concepts of Worldview Academy and Worldview at the Abbey. And one of the ones that comes up at camp a lot is the sacred-secular dichotomy. So can you summarize that for me? Yeah, the sacred-secular dichotomy is really central to understanding worldview. You don't you don't get your Christian faith as a worldview until you understand that there is no distinction between the sacred and the secular. There's a lot of pushback in our world right now that um, interprets the First Amendment to say that there's a realm of faith and there's a realm of reason, that in other words, there's a sacred realm and a secular realm, and that you shouldn't really have any bleed over between those two realms. And the plain fact is that as Christians, we're called to carry our faith with us wherever we go. Um, That's that idea of being salt and light, right? You don't get to put your light under a bushel. Uh, You don't get to hide it in the closet. The whole idea is that as individuals, we carry our faith with us wherever we go. And this is tricky. I mean, if you get this, then um, if you get this and you get jurisdiction, you pretty much have the whole foundation for understanding the concept of worldview. But there's just a lot of noise from our culture that we have to push aside and be able to say, okay, that is the world's perspective, but as a Christian individual, I need to follow Christ wherever I go. That means in politics, that means in art, that means in education. I don't get to check my faith at the door. So why, why did you mention jurisdiction as kind of a second caveat to that? That, that's the trick, right? Because um, you may have noticed, too, that I a couple times say the word individual. And uh, um, there are jurisdiction refers to the idea that there are separate spheres of authority, family, church, state, and the individual. So as individuals, we're called to carry our faith with us wherever we go. 
Um, there are limits to our authority in the realm of the state, in the realm of the family, and we need to respect those to behave well. I think that um, God gave jurisdiction to the state to uh, promote order, to punish the wrongdoer, and to protect the innocent. I think that's clear from Romans 13, 1 through 4, and passages in 1 Peter as well. Um, he also gives a role to the family and a role to the church as well. And so we need to understand those roles and those spheres of authority so that we don't just start stomping around and saying, uh, we just need to elect a Christian Congress that forces everybody in America to be Christian. That's not what I'm advocating. But as Christian individuals, we've got to carry our faith with us wherever we go. I need to vote like a Christian. I need to legislate like a Christian. I need to make art like a Christian and consume art like a Christian. And uh, like I said, the world pushes back against that all the time, right? I mm -hmm. mean, you find that, that um, I always like to tell the story of uh, William Wilberforce, but uh, Wilberforce is one of the men most responsible for abolishing slavery in Great Britain. And since that happened before it happened in the United States, I would argue in the United States as well. But Wilber Wilberforce actually stood up uh, in Parliament uh, and would, um, because he was a strong Christian, clearly articulate that slavery was wrong. And uh, one day a different legislature or legislator said to him, uh, things have come to a pretty pass when religion is allowed to invade public life. And even though that's highfalutin language, that's exactly the language that, uh, I'm sorry, that's exactly the idea that we as Christians hear today. We hear, keep your faith to yourself. It's nice that your faith tells you that slavery is wrong, but we don't need your faith here in the public square. And I'm saying as loudly as I can, Worldview Academy saying as loudly as they can, that we need to carry our faith with us wherever we go. So where do you feel like that comes up with students often, like the types of decisions that they're having to make? The So like we're here at the Abbey. This is our, it's a gap year program. It's their first year away from uh, home. For a lot of instances, it's kind of a whole year program where we're trying to build a new, not a new way of thinking, but a biblical way of thinking. And that they're, but we're also trying to build habits, right, and structures so that they can then go out and kind of take that with them to the college campuses. And we also have the same questions that we get to deal with at Worldview Academy summer camps on a much more compressed basis. So where do you feel like you see some of those questions come up either at camp or here at the Abbey, or what does that kind of look like? That's a good question. I mean, obviously with the freedom of speech issues, that, that is going to occur, right? There's uh, a tendency more and more, unfortunately, on the internet to shout down uh, different opinions, especially if you make the mistake of going on Twitter or something like that, right? <laughs> that uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's dangerous. And so um, even just something as simple as sharing their faith, students can find that pushback um, with, hey, uh, you know, it's not really any of your business to be talking to these public school students. And uh, they have to have the confidence to just say, you know, with with uh, John and Peter in Acts, I think it's Acts 3, it might be Acts 4, uh, when Peter says, you know, judge for yourself who we should serve, God or men. And, and I think that's the, the, the proper 
response there. So you find that uh, certainly with them sharing their faith. And then it does bleed over a little bit too into just um, more casual interactions. A lot of our students will uh, spend time with a program for middle school and high school students um, to just have a place to go to on Friday nights. And the program is designed for people to share their faith, um, but you're still going to get that pushback, sort of uh, how dare you bring that in here. And again, you just we have to cultivate the habit of mind that says, uh, this is who I am. I belong to Jesus. I'm his ambassador. And it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if this gets somebody worked up or if they believe in a sacred secular dichotomy. Um, this is my identity. Yeah, well, and I think also um, there are there's limits to logic and reason, right? Even logic and reason are fallen, and we ultimately believe that uh, a biblical worldview has something to say about kind of every aspect of reality and that that supersedes and, and articulates truth for us. And so at the end of the day saying, well, I can't bring my faith into bear in politics, that you're trying to take off a system of belief that for us really articulates what truth is, arbitrates what truth is. And so then I, I believe that um, biblical principles have practical consequences, right? And so we've talked about sure. how, um, I think we've talked about this, but just the idea that if Christianity is true, and if what it says about the state of mankind is true, and if a biblical worldview is true, then how a biblical worldview says to treat people, to think about people, to think about how to manage people and take care of widows and orphans and those in our society, that is the best way to do it, whether it's from a Christian worldview or not, because that most aligns with reality, right? Right. And Yeah. Go ahead. That's a great way of saying it. Uh, we we live in God's universe, which is a moral universe, right? So, you know, the way we say it typically is ideas have consequences. And that's right. It, it If you can get non-Christians to adopt, right? It, it was good immediately and uh, tangibly when slavery was abolished in Great Britain. It right. was an unqualified good. And whether you got... Uh, um, non-Christians to get on board, however, not however, but it, any non-Christians that you got on board to adopt the position that slavery was wrong, um, they're functioning correctly in the moral universe. Now they've gotten a hold of the way the moral universe actually works. So even, you know, um, I'm not politi politically a liberal, but liberal concern for poor people, um, that's... Christ calls us to care for the poor, and some of the liberal solutions for caring for the poor are not biblical solutions, but we ought to be able to uh, find common ground there and say, right, we live in this moral universe where we need to care for poor people. We shouldn't just trample on them like survival of the fittest, right? Your right. atheistic worldview might suggest let them go to the devil, but it's right yeah. to take care of poor people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and I think immigration is another one that's really interesting perspective of, like, we, as Christians, we are called to take care of the traveler and the sojourner and the immigrant among us. And politically, you just see a really huge divide on how that happens. 
And I think that we can find common ground in saying, like, no, this is a, this is a principle that we should value. We should value caring for all people, no matter where they come from or their background or how they got here, frankly. But the means then that we that we take on how to get there is a really, really important road, but that's not worth dividing the body of Christ over at the end of the day. Right. And as an economics guy, I know you're with me on this, that um, the biblical view of human beings is that wealth is ultimately a creation of the human mind. Wealth is not ultimately tied to resources. So uh, we make this mistake of thinking, um, boy, if you let more people immigrate into America, that's just going to be a drain on natural resources. Everybody's going to get poorer. People are going to get put out of work. And that is not the way uh, the free market and reality work. What happens when you bring more people into a system that rewards creativity and uh, what's the word? Uh, when you initiative, right? Mm-hmm. A, a system that rewards creativity and initiative, man. That, that results in good things and uh, uh, the rising tide that lifts all boats. So, um, right. And that actually, and that I think that comes from your perspective on what mankind does to the world around it, right? So I, I'll harp on this, but a few years ago I wrote an article about Patagonia and how Patagonia had uh, supported Planned Parenthood because they... Um, because they basically saw it as they saw, especially like in foreign countries, kind of developing countries where there were not good infrastructures for taking care of the land, their perspective was that humans drained the land and the land was the most important thing, right? They depleted resources and so uh, excessive spread of mankind needed to be stopped so they supported Planned Parenthood, right? Kind of goes to that root. And then in contrast to that, John Piper, I saw this... uh, Uh, sermon or whatever on John Piper where he was talking about children and he basically said like look we are for children because our children are going to make a better world and it's just it's the it's a fundamental difference of the value of mankind and what they bring and what they have the ability to do and that Um, that raises another good point by the way because um some some Christians might hear Piper say that and be like what's the deal with worrying about a good world, right? Like, shouldn't we just be worried about heaven? Shouldn't our Mm. minds be fixed on the kingdom of heaven and let all these non-Christians worry about building a better world? And that is sacred secular dichotomy, right? That that is that kind of thinking that thinks, I'm concerned with the spiritual. You can worry about mouths being fed or uh, immigrants being welcomed in or or whatever, but um, I'm just about heaven. And uh, that is not a biblical perspective. I'm trying to say that as loudly as I can. Uh, We're called to be in the world, but not of the world. And in the world, we are called to be salt and light, to be on the side of justice, to be on the side of mercy, to understand how to govern well. I mean, if Christians can't understand how to govern well, who's going to figure it out, right? right. So, yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's that. It's weird to hear you, you hear Piper say that, and I know everybody likes Dr. Piper, and they're not going to push back too much against him, but I know there are Christians in the pews who are a little bit like wait, you just said build a, make, make the world better. But, uh, you know, 
the world is going to go up in flames and Christ is going to come back. And who, you know, what right. have we got to Why do Why should with... be worried about that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that is the sacred secular dichotomy. It's so right. hard to put off because even that word spiritual, you're like, yes, I want to be a more spiritual person. That's my thing to be more spiritual. But what we lose sight of all the time is that Christ is, incarnated. He took on flesh. He came to earth. He walked among people. He healed. He fed. He he, he cared for and ultimately rescued. And uh, um, we need to be incarnate as well. God right. Physical us. good yeah. on earth. Right. Yeah. We, yeah. We are made to inhabit a physical world and bring physical good, right? Yeah. Even if it's just buying groceries for my wife, that's actually a physical good that needs to happen because we all need to eat. So, right. um, yeah. yeah. So 1 Corinthians, I believe it's 1 Corinthians, it might be second, that talks about uh, we are to be about the work of the reconciliation of all things to Christ, right? Whether that's spiritual and physical. And then Colossians 3.23 also talks about um, everything that you do, therefore do as if working for the Lord and not for men. Right, so this idea of yeah. ev- all work is all work is spiritual. Right, yeah. there's not kind of this divide. <laughs> yeah, that's going it's on. just hard. I, I get nervous about the word spiritual because I think it's misused in churches so much. Right, so sure. um, maybe it's better to say all work is sacred. Right, because sure. um, yeah, even just plain old physical. I built a wall for you today. Right, right. that's like about as physical as it can possibly get. Well, guess what? Maybe you needed that wall. Maybe your dog's going to get out of the yard and and get onto the freeway if we don't build that that wall. So, any any very tangible pulling an ox out of a ditch kind of thing is also the work of the church. Right, right, and that's the Good Samaritan right uh, parable as well as like just caring caring for your neighbors and the people around you and all that you do. Martin Luther has a really great quote of um, talking about the like. Um, how does the how does the cobbler be a spiritual person, right? He doesn't, or how does a cobbler go about his work in a spiritual way or in a sanctified way? And he says, it's not by putting little crosses on his shoes, but it's by making good shoes. Exactly. Right? Yeah, and it's excelling really at what point. you do, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that goes right back to Colossians three twenty three, which you already cited that we're to do everything as unto the Lord. But I I just feel like because people buy into the sacred secular dichotomy, they're like, yes. I go to work five days a week because I have to own a paycheck. And yes, I'm going to do my best at work because I guess that's part of the Bible too. But it doesn't really have anything to do with my spiritual life or who I am. And it should. It should. Everything you do, buying groceries, building walls, whatever it is, um, those all need to be infused by your faith and your desire to follow Christ in all things. And like you said, a lot of that is... A lot of it can boil down just to seeking excellence, right? Like a lot of it can just be, I'm going to build the best wall I can build for my buddy or whatever, right? But but two, um, you know, trusting God and, and his grace, right? You don't have to be paralyzed by, well, I'm not the wall best wall builder in the world. That's fine. You don't have to be the best wall builder in the world. Your buddy needs a wall that's going to stand for 20 years. So yeah. if you can do that, do that, and be glad that you can. Yeah, and you mentioned First Amendment stuff earlier, and I think this is maybe a good place to kind of wrap up. But I I think in today's, um, today's whatever, events, where we're kind of just post an election and kind of there's been a lot of talk about what do Christians do during this time, I think that's a really, it's a really 
um, valid application of saying we also need to ask the question of what does redemption of citizenship look like, right? We've been placed by God's sovereignty in this geographic location, in this time period, with these problems that we have today, and none of that was in our control. Those have just been given to us. And so from a sacred secular perspective, we need to ask the question of what does it look like to be, what does it look like to have a redemption of citizenship, to be involved in this process, and not just kind of as you were saying, um, taken out of it and just waiting for the spiritual and saying everything that is therefore from the government or everything that is man-made is secular, and so I'm not going to engage in it, and the church should not engage in it. But instead, how do we think correctly and uh, biblically about all of it? And I, I think a big, big part of that that doesn't get said enough uh, in that regard is, is think small, right? I think uh, there's a lot of Christians who are just like, when the right Christian candidate emerges, whether it's Franklin Graham or John Piper, whoever it is, right? When that presidential candidate emerges, boy, we will uh, rally. Or Everett Piper. <laughs> yeah, or yeah. Everett Piper, right? Uh, we will we will rally and we will get behind him and we will get him elected and that will fix everything. And number one, that will not fix everything. And uh, number two, um, what really does uh, the most good is engagement on the local level, right? Just do, doing the uh, little work of... Uh, making sure things aren't spinning out of control in your hometown or in your county. Um, Christ models for us that the greatest among us should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. And unfortunately, a lot of Christians who do get fired up about politics only want to talk about the one who rules. And uh, we need to be about that business of, of serving. It, yeah. I. I've sat through some city council meetings. I think you have too. And they are the most boring things in the world. Like I, I just want to <laughs> yeah. just be anywhere else. I mean, when they start talking about variances and just the <laughs> most boring stuff you've ever heard, I'm just like, wow, this is service, right? Like mm-hmm. it's easy to ride on, what's it called? What's it called? Aircraft one? What's it called? What's Air the, Force one. Air Force one. <laughs> it's, it's easy to ride on Air Force one. It's easy to, you know, get get a... $40,000 budget to decorate the White House, that number's probably too low. It's probably higher yeah, than that. Oh, but, yeah. but it's easy to do all that stuff. It's it's hard to listen to some guy drone about variances or setbacks or whatever and just be like, I need to care about that because there's justice here too, right? right. Like there's, there's some rule that's been set up that's either being violated or being kept and I need to do justice in this little tiny thing that bores the heck out of me. <laughs> That's the, and so it's the the due diligence of of voting well, right? Of researching local candidates and knowing who you're supporting in that regard. Um, it's it's you know, I, I, you look like the clock is ticking, and there's no clock in this room, so that's that's a problem <laughs> if you want this to be a short show. But yeah, um, sorry, uh-huh. um, good point. You know, I don't I. Politics doesn't light my fire, and I would just as soon everybody left me alone. But the the time that I really mobilized, and, and luckily the local church mobilized in our hometown, um, was the time when they started talking about putting retail marijuana shops mm-hmm. uh, around town. And yes, Colorado had legalized uh, retail marijuana, but that didn't mean in our little town there had to be retail marijuana shops. And the city council was sort of uh, progressing like, 
well, of course, everybody is doing it in Colorado. It's a right. revenue source, so we need to do it too. And uh, fortunately, the Christians mobilized and said, do we really? Right? Yeah. Do we really need to have retail marijuana just because everybody else in Colorado is doing it? And I'll tell you, well, okay, so to finish that story real fast, uh, we talked the city council into uh, putting the vote to the people. We got a stern tongue lashing from the city council that was like, now listen, when the people say this is what they want, you have to abide by it. And then the people rejected it by like a 60 to 40 margin, right? So mm-hmm. um, so here we are in this little town that doesn't have retail marijuana stores. And we've already seen the big city to our east try to put that genie back in the bottle and fail. They allowed retail marijuana. They tried to then uh, pass a ballot that would uh, wipe out retail marijuana stores in their town and they couldn't get it to pass. The wheels were already in motion. And yeah. so, um, and they, they want it. I mean, the, the folks of that town know that was a mistake and, and yet it's, it's too late to put that genie back in the bottle. So that's a, a, a small success story to say, you know, it's possible. It's possible for just regular folks to mobilize, to pay attention to the little things and make things a little bit better for their town if they're willing to stoop and, and serve. Yeah, serve in small things. Yeah. Well, that is all the time we've got for today. So thanks, thanks for that discussion on Sacred Secular Dichotomy. And uh, we'll see if we can get you back on soon. Okay. Thanks, Huck. Well, that's our show for today. Music today was downloaded from pixabay.com, was composed by the musician The Epic Warrior, and was titled The Comeback. I'm your host for the week, and we are recording from Worldview at the Abbey in beautiful Canyon City, Colorado. For more information about our Worldview Academy Leadership Camps, visit worldview.org, and for more information about our one-year program for college freshman students, visit worldviewbridgeyear.com. Thanks for joining us. Stay faithful, and we'll see you soon.